Hello, and welcome back to Pod Save My 20s, the podcast where we talk about all the things we weren't prepared for in the real world and invite guests to do the same. I'm Tara. And I'm Gabrielle. And today we have what I know is going to be such a thoughtful and insightful conversation with one of my favorite people. That's a good friend of mine. We're going on uh, about eight years of friendship, I think now, right? My good friend, Adam, and um, he's pursuing a PhD in history at Rutgers University. And I'm really excited to have him here today to talk about something that we talk about a lot together, which is therapy. And often, you know, it's kind of seen as a dirty word sometimes, but we're here to say that it's not today. And we're here to bring some of those conversations that we have together um, to include Tara in them and bring them to you all. So uh, after that long introduction, I just have to say thanks. Thanks so much for being here today, Adam. I really appreciate you taking the time out of all of your schedules and everything to be with us. And we're so glad to have you here. You've also been a supporter of our podcast since day one. So we appreciate you. Um, But yeah, thanks for being here. Well, I just want to say thanks so much, uh, Gabrielle and Tara, for having me. I I really appreciate the opportunity to come and talk with you. and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yes. All right. And as a listener, I'm sure you know that one thing we have to do before we dive into the conversation is talk about our moment of truth. So moment of truth is just how we start off our conversation every week and we talk about one thing that happened in the past week or recently that reminded us that we're in our 20s. So Gabrielle, do you want to get us started with Moment of Truth? Sure. Uh, I have a really silly one for this week because <laughs> mine recently have just been what happened right before recording. And today I just ate a whole like bag of spicy plantain chips for dinner <laughs> instead of making actual food because I was hungry at the end of work, but I couldn't give myself the break to make food. Uh, you know, and I want just wanted a snack and then that snack became an entire meal on accident and now my stomach hurts. So that's that's on being an adult and making good choices. <laughs> it's my moment of truth. <laughs> Adam, do you have one ready to share? Yeah, yeah, I do. It's, I think it's a it's kind of also about being an adult and making good choices. It's on a little <laughs> more serious. It's quite a bit more serious side. <laughs> Uh, last week, I uh, was in Iowa visiting my grandma on my mom's side. She's in her 80s, and I hadn't seen her for uh, like 18 months because of the pandemic. And I wanted to make sure it was actually really safe when I went to go and visit her. And, you know, I was saying goodbye. And, you know, I kind of teared up a little bit as she said goodbye and thanks for coming. And, you know, I kind of knew that, you know, all right, this really was, you know, this last year and a half and all the precautions that I took and and getting vaccinated, it was really worth it. And so that, that, that was my moment of truth. That's so sweet. That's a good one. Um, my moment of truth is (laughs) that I had to take my cat Bialy to the vet today. Um, he was throwing up this week for no good reason um and you know they like can't talk to you so you just never really know what's going on and I took him to the vet and $300 later they think he's just like stressed um, oh, no. so... <laughs> oh. <laughs> um but that's it's fine like I'm glad he's okay um and yeah that's my that's my moment of truth so 
Mm-hmm. I think we can go ahead and dive into our conversation. Gabrielle, do you want to get us started? Yeah. So to start off, I was just going to ask how things are going for you, Adam, and if you can tell me a little bit or tell us all a little bit more about your journey as a 20-something so far and like kind of where you're at in life. Yeah, it's, it's really open-ended, uh, so I'll try and do my best <laughs> to keep my thoughts organized. I think my, my journey as a 20-something has been pretty difficult. Uh, I don't think necessarily in terms of, you know, finding things to do, having good friends. I think it's been difficult kind of existentially. Uh, once I... Once I got into like the latter half of college, I started thinking kind of seriously, like, what do I want to do with my life? And those, the, that kind, the kind of questions that unfolded from that face question have perfect, perplexed me to today. And uh, spoiler alert, have been something really important, a really important part of my journey in therapy. Um, and so I think that I, I have a lot of, questions, a lot of concerns, a lot of uncertainty about the direction that my life is going uh, and about where I want it to go. I think uh, that I've come down to the conclusion that I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now as a PhD student and I'm hopeful to continue doing it in the future. So I'm going to stick with it. Um, But that comes with a lot of difficult days and sleepless nights uh, that I've questioned. You know, I I lived in Michigan my whole life uh, before I started graduate school and I moved to New Jersey and I didn't know anybody there. Uh, And I kind of had to build a framework for myself, a support network for myself from scratch. And that first year or so was really, really hard. and so, you know, now that I'm in my, just finished my third year in the program, uh, living kind of on my own for most of it until I moved uh, here to Philadelphia, it, uh, it's been a challenge, but exciting as well uh, and enjoyable because I do, I do enjoy where I'm at and I'm excited uh, for the position that I'm in. That's good. That's great. Yeah. I know that I can relate to a lot of what you just said, and I'm sure that many of our listeners can as well that feeling of like am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing like what do I want to be doing with my life it's Mm -hmm. I think about that constantly and you know I you think you have it figured out but it's it's very existential and uh it's something I think as humans we often come back to yeah Uh, thanks for thanks for sharing that you touched on a lot of I think important things that we all kind of go through but haven't maybe talked about as much like starting over in a new place moving to somewhere completely different uh grad school is a whole other I mean I haven't been to grad school so I can't speak to any of that but my friends who are in it have talked about that that kind of is a different level of uncertainty and everything and you're in it for a long haul and yeah that I can totally relate to that level of not knowing what I'm doing and having a plan but it never really maybe (laughs) coming to fruition in the way that I think it's going to. And I think that's something that everyone goes through in their twenties is realizing, oh yeah, okay, maybe this isn't going to be exactly how I thought it was going to be, but that's okay. And you're finding the joy in the, like the little things and the places that you are ending up in, you know, I'm sure you didn't think you'd be in Philly 
going to New Jersey in the beginning either. I didn't think that I was ever going to be in New Jersey uh, in the first place. And even when I moved here, I kind of thought, yeah, I don't want to move anywhere. This is, this is fine. Uh, and now I'm here in Philly and it's, it's been a great time so far. Yeah. And I thought I was going to be moving to Philly and that is certainly not happening. So, you know, things change and I get that. And I'm glad that it's been like positive for you and you kind of found a path that was different than what you imagined. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so let's dig into our topic a little bit here. So we're talking about therapy today. And I know for me personally, I remember starting out in therapy when I was probably in elementary school um, and like going in and definitely in middle school at different times and then probably not going to therapy again until much later on in life and and choosing to go as a young adult. And that was the first time that I got to like opt in for myself. And so our first question here is when did you start doing therapy and why? I, uh, I started doing therapy, there's kind of like two different periods where uh, I am thinking about this. First was when I was uh, an undergraduate, I guess I was probably 19, um, and I was having uh, relationship troubles. Uh, I was dating someone and things weren't going super well, and she uh, pushed me to go to therapy. uh, And uh, we ended up breaking up and it was pretty terrible experience uh, but I still went to therapy uh, and it, it at that moment I realized you know both I wanted to work through and process the the difficulties and the challenges that were in that relationship but I also realized that there were a lot of things about myself that I wanted to try and work through um, it, and so I think that's, uh, then I kind of took a couple of years off. Uh, and once I started grad school, I went back to therapy. And uh, uh, so, uh, and, and for similar reasons, both because I was going through something that was really, really difficult. And I wanted to have the space to work through and process that the challenges that I was facing kind of on a daily level, on a weekly level, and then more on a you know, monthly, yearly meta level I wanted to try and work through those things while also thinking about um, some of what I've said already what I want to do who I want to try and become who I want to be right now so yeah I I think if I was gonna uh, sum everything up a lot of what has maybe kind of catalyzed going to therapy has been difficult situations in the moment um, but really the ultimate reason behind going has been uh, more about self-exploration, self-understanding, and self-acceptance. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's something, I've had a lot of false starts with therapy, and I know I've kind of explained before, but I've had gone back and forth and had periods of stopping and starting, and it just not really working out either because I wasn't trying hard enough or I just didn't feel like I was meshing with my therapist, and there's just so many different, I mean, it's a relationship that you're starting on its own, in its own right with this therapist, you're cultivating an era of trust that you want to be able to disclose your information and like be heard and seen at the same time that, you know, it's also an economic proposal at the same time and things like that. So there's a lot of these different facets and I would get kind of turned off by different things. Um, 
And so my, my own relationship with therapy has struggled back and forth that I finally, um, I was telling Tara about this and I was going to save it for this episode to dive into it a little bit more. I finally have started going back to therapy again. Um, and I think I found a therapist that I'm hopefully going to stick with for a while. Um, they're based in Ann Arbor actually, but it's telehealth. So hopefully I can continue to do that and just keep them with me for a while. Cause I think I just need that consistency. Um, and I actually, maybe I'll get into this a little bit later when we talk about accessibility and stuff, but I ended up going through my work, had some available free sessions with some counselors there, and then they were able to talk with me and help me through some things and help guide me to getting to a therapist. Cause that was always the hardest part for me was actually finding a therapist and doing the work beforehand and like finding out if they take my insurance and how much it's going to cost. And I have a freeze up whenever I see the cost of therapy too. Um, and right now I'm only doing every other week until I hit my deductible because of cost reasons. Like I just can't physically afford more than that right now until my insurance starts paying for it, or at least helping me to pay for it. Um, but I went off a little bit of a tangent that maybe we'll come back to, but you had said that, um, you were in a, a relationship and it was this kind of, and she had helped you to get to therapy before that what are your views on therapy now? You've kind of said about helping yourself through it and self-actualizing maybe who you want to be in this moment, but were your views on therapy before that different? How have your views on therapy changed? I think, I think that my views on therapy, probably like growing up and before I went into therapy really were centered around, you know, you have to have some sort of problem. You have to be, for lack of a better word, I guess, like sick to mm. have to go to therapy. I think that's that's what I thought. Um, that you know, people with issues go to therapy. Uh, people who can't figure things out, uh, people who can't handle things, those kinds of stereotypical uh, understandings and 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 stigmatizing understandings of of therapy, I think, is really where I started. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't know that I would have gone to therapy that first time if, uh, if my ex-girlfriend hadn't pushed pretty hard for me to go. Um, and now I, I see therapy essentially as the opposite of all of those stereotypes and stigmatized, uh, perspectives that I held before that is a place that anybody can go to provided as you referred to you have the resources available to you to make it accessible um I think that you can go one could go to therapy for any number of reasons and some some might have to do with specific problems that you want to look to solve um but that largely hasn't been my approach to therapy for me. Uh, yeah, I really like the the phrase you used, uh, kind of self-actualization, you know, recognizing and empathizing with myself. Maybe you could say that those are problems that I had. It's lack of self-compassion or something like that. Um, but that's not something that I think is kind of diagnosable or, uh, you know, specifically recognizable in some way. and. I didn't know that before I started therapy, before I started exploring those ideas. So I kind of, I, th I think that therapy can be what you need it to be provided uh, as, as I think some of the other questions we'll have. 
you have a good fit with the therapist who understands and uh, recognizes and then works to help you get what you need uh, from it. There's something you said in that that I really enjoyed, which was the reframing of not like not looking at it as you have a problem that needs to be solved, but as you're working towards something or like recognizing something you want to work through rather. I know, and this is another kind of just anecdotal tangent, but uh, at UHS, like I would go there and that's when I started kind of really exploring therapy and everything was um, I had like uh, an issue that came up in college that I had to work through. um, And, and I went to the psychiatrist there. I went to, you know, the university health system. And when you came out, they printed a sheet for you. And at the bottom, it literally said problems. <laughs> and then it listed them down and it said anxiety, depression, insomnia, and then also broken elbow. <laughs> like, they were all just clumped together in this thing. And I just couldn't shake that. It just felt, it was funny, but it was also, you know, so upsetting to like have this kind of framed as like, oh, these are prop like medically even just problems like they're just things that we're working through and like yeah maybe I have specific things that I need to go to therapy for but also recognizing in that reframing of like they're just things that I want to work on and I want to work on myself and like be better for myself and like it doesn't you don't have to have those things to go to therapy like you said like I personally I think that therapy should be a right and not a privilege and that everyone should be able to go to therapy if they want, or actually everyone should just go to therapy. I think like have that, <laughs> that space. And just like going to the doc, like a physical doctor, medical doctor, like going to therapy and talking through things with somebody who can help you reframe them and help you see things differently um, and work on your thoughts and like your mental health, because it's, it's, it's your health. It's important. Um, and that's my own little tangent and rant about that. <laughs> But um, I don't, and this is just like a little tag on that we kind of want to talk about. Do, have you ever gone to group therapy or do you have any thoughts on group therapy? Uh, I haven't personally ever gone to group therapy. Uh, I think that I'm kind of scared of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. scared of being vulnerable in a group setting. Um, especially with folks that, you know, the first few times before you would get to know anyone there. I mean, they're all really strangers. And so, you know, I think it's, it's part of what we might talk about in terms of meshing or fitting with a therapist, but you know, your therapist is a stranger when you start and it's kind of, it's hard enough to kind of acclimate to that new relationship and, and build it with them. And so, um, you know, kind of as I've been presented options, uh, different steps, group therapy being one of them, I've kind of said like, I don't know, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about it. Um, I, I, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't really have any experience with it. And personally, I'm afraid of it, uh, because of the, the level of vulnerability that comes along with it. Um, but I imagine because of, uh, that's, that real vulnerability that you have to take if you're going to be a part of that group session and, and get the most out of it that you can. I imagine that uh, the the results, the returns, the 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 benefits that you get from from being in that group session uh, are are probably pretty different uh, and 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 my guess is pretty exciting uh, in terms of the differences from one on one. 
but I don't know. I don't, I don't have personal experience. It's conjecture. Mostly. Yeah. I also can relate to that. I've definitely been like offered, you know, or like suggested group therapy at different times and it's scary. You know, you're really like opening up about really personal things and I think for me, a lot of therapy is just like externalizing what's going on in my brain. And sometimes I don't even know what's going to come out, <laughs> like what I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, there's definitely, it's, it can be a little bit scary, but it's actually something for me personally that I've been like put as a, like, I want to try this someday. Like, this is something that I think would be a good thing to like get out of my comfort zone and try. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have done group therapy and I have to say it was not great, but also the group therapy that I was in was very specific. And it was one of those like false starts um, during college. It was <laughs> group therapy for social anxiety. So you can just imagine <laughs> having, <laughs> I don't even remember how many of us there were, but just like in a room, like no one wants to talk already <laughs> in normal circumstances. But then you put us all in socially vulnerable people in this very vulnerable situation. And you no, know, we would all just like stare at each other. Like you, the counselor would ask a question and try to get us to talk. And we would all like, we'd be looking down and just kind of like glance at each other. And we'd make eye contact and be like, is he serious? Like, <laughs> how are we supposed to do this right now? one of the quietest therapies I've ever had but um there was probably some camaraderie in that way that we all understood what was happening at the same time so it was it was one of the funnier experiences too um but I I I didn't love it but I wouldn't be opposed to trying it again in in a different standpoint because it is scary like you guys said for sure yeah so I have a question Adam about as as a man going to therapy, do you feel like there's a stigma around it more so than other genders? Um, can you talk a little bit to that? I uh, I would cer- I certainly think uh, that there is a stigma for for men uh, trying to go to therapy, uh, and and I I think I've seen it kind of on both sides. Um, when I started, uh, I. As the first time I started when I was in uh, an undergrad at, at Michigan, um, I was talking to my dad, and, and we were in the car. I think he was like driving me back to drop me off or something like that at, at school. And I had already told my mom that I wanted to go to therapy, and my parents were uh, in a good enough financial position and gracious enough to help me pay for it. Uh, and so he was, he asked me about it and, you know, kind of said, so you want to go to therapy? Like why? And it was really hard for him to understand why I would want to go to therapy. He, I think he kind of took that uh, stigmatized position of like, there must be, there's nothing wrong with you right? There's nothing wrong with you. So why would you want to go? Uh, and, you know, it was out of love and concern that he asked, but also I think a little bit of judgment. And my response uh, was, uh, there are things about myself that I don't like. And 
clearly by his response, my dad is a really confident guy who's never had that kind of issue uh, because he was like, you don't like things about yourself. It, it was like totally foreign to him to not like himself. And so I think that there there is kind of some stupid of like, why do you need to go? Like, there's nothing wrong with you. Uh, you know, that's for people who are more emotional or more unstable or all of these things that men are not supposed to be uh, as they not supposed to present as certainly and, and not supposed to be in many people's eyes. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think that I did feel that stigma um, externally. I think, you know, probably not remembering right now, but I probably had some internalized stigma as well that that might have prevented me from going or, or early on uh, made it difficult for me to open up. Um, but I've seen the other side of that, uh, that coin. I, I was just driving in the car with a couple of my friends going to a New Year's Eve party. And I was talking about how helpful therapy was for me. And uh, my friend and her brother, uh, who's also my friend, they were in the car with me. And she told me later that he said how cool it was that I was talking about therapy opening openly and with sincerity because he had felt really awkward and like it was weird and not normal for him to go to therapy. And so it acts my openness and kind of breaking down those barriers of talking about, this is what my experience as a man in a space that men aren't supposed to be uh, looks like uh, helped, I, at least what you told me, helped another man feel more comfortable uh, and, and feel like uh, it was a space that he belonged in as well. So that's, I mean, that's when when you asked me to to come on the podcast. This is this is why I wanted to come on. That's precisely because of that uh, that story. Uh, I, I wow. I'm hopeful that uh, you know the more that that everyone talks about going to therapy and and breaks down those stigmas, breaks down those stereotypes, um, and it can become uh, a more accessible space for people yeah I agree wholeheartedly that's such a powerful story and I'm again like so happy that you're here talking about this with us not just as a friend who I know has gone through therapy and everything but yeah as being able to speak to the male experience of going through therapy because I know it is it it is harder for men to seek help you know and or like go to therapy or talk about going to therapy or even talk about feelings in general, it's just stigmatized, you know, in the society that we live in, unfortunately. Um, but I, I feel the same way about, that's why I like to talk about it too. And I'll, you know, I do make people uncomfortable, maybe sometimes just being open about it and being like, Hey, I'm going to go, like, I'll tell my boyfriend, like in the day, during the day, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go hole up in the basement for an hour. I got therapy. <laughs> just if you're looking for me, you know, and so we'll talk about it and stuff. And it's, it's just, you know, and I've had people in the past ask me when I, when I do talk openly about therapy and like seeking help and everything, they're like, aren't you afraid everyone's just going to see you as the sad person? Like that's your, that's your identity is being depressed and being sad. And I'm like, you know, maybe if, if that's the way you see me, that's, that's not, maybe not how I want to be seen, but also like, I'm happy to be the person that then if somebody else is like struggling, that they know that they can come talk to me or, you know, 
that I do get help and I'm getting better, you know, like, and I like, again, going back to maybe the problem scenario where I shouldn't be framing it that way, but I like, I can look at how far I've come and therapy has been a part of that journey, you know, and that's important. Like I have been getting better and like, that's what, what it, for me, that's what it is for. And like continuing to get to a point where I can feel quote unquote normal maybe, and then continue still to work towards these goals within therapy, you know, and like just continuing to realize like we can always kind of improve and we can always work on our thoughts and work on how we're dealing with life and moving through things with somebody else, you know, and having that consistent relationship. So, yeah, I think that's very awesome that you influence somebody else and like they heard your story and felt connected to it. It really does make a difference. And you know, when people share just my my own experience is that it was really hard for me to change my therapist, to find a new therapist. And it wasn't until a friend of mine posted about their experience of changing therapists and how it was really like important for them and, and really made a difference that I was like, oh, this is okay. Like, this is okay to do. And it's normal and whatever's going to be best for me is what everyone wants in this situation. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it is important to share those, those, all those pieces when, when we can. Um, and I think that if someone's going to look at you and say, okay, like judge you for, for that. They don't, they don't understand, like they're not, they're not looking to understand and they're not mm-hmm. going to. And so I, those are not the people to worry about the people that matter really are the ones who are listening and that it might make a difference for. Yeah, exactly. And Tara, breaking up with your therapist is a whole other, like that is such a thing to be discussed. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, Adam, do you have experience breaking up with your therapist? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, and I want to get one more thought before we move from from this uh, this stigma yeah. and, and this problem. I, I should also uh, kind of put it out there that I uh, have, uh, I also have a stigma against working with a male therapist. I don't want to work with a man. I feel so much more comfortable talking with uh, folks who present uh, more more towards the female perspective uh, side of the spectrum that uh, that I have specifically asked not to meet with men and not work with men. So I mean, that's part of breaking down my own stigma and, and I, I of, of talking with other men about my my feelings and my emotions. Uh, so uh, that's just one point I wanted to to put out there before we moved on. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I have had a really difficult time breaking up with my therapist. Uh, and it was just, uh, in January when I moved from New Jersey to Pennsylvania, uh, because of the laws around telehealth, if there's, uh, so I guess this is getting into the nitty gritty. I've, I've been working with PhD students, uh, and not licensed therapists. Uh, and so their supervisors, have a license to operate in a certain state. And so once I moved across state lines, I had to break up with my therapist. And it was extremely mm-hmm. sad because I had been working with her for almost three years. Uh, and so I had built a really significant kind of long-term relationship with her. Uh, but the good news is 
uh, also uh, kind of similar to uh, your friend posting about their experience moving from one therapist to another. Um, my therapist kind of knows the ins and outs of therapy in a way that I don't think I ever will or could without doing a PhD in clinical psychology. Um, and so really helped me uh, figure out kind of what resources I needed to use to move to that next provider. Uh, and so, but I still am sad uh, that I, I don't get to meet with my, my old therapist. I kind of think about like, what would she say in this situation when my therapist is saying something that I don't fully agree with or something like that? That's interesting. Just like the back on the part about seeing um, female identifying therapist versus male identifying um, or otherwise. I think I've had both. And in my experience, I've had better, like better therapeutic experiences with male uh, therapists, which I think is really interesting. And I, I don't know, I'm sure it's something in my own psyche that that comes into play there. But, um, you know, everyone's preference is different. And it's like really okay to like, shop around and, and find the right therapist for you find the right fit, because it is a relationship. Sure, I've had that same, <laughs> that same experience where I don't know what I've found it to be. I'm, I'm trying to like analyze why I also have found it easier to talk to male therapists or found them a little bit more helpful at times um and I don't really know I don't know why but even right now like the one the therapist I was working with through work who was helping me to find a different therapist is a male and then and then the therapist that I'm now working with is female and it was just kind of this interesting dynamic that I was working through talking to two different therapists at once and like I was kind of comparing their their styles and everything and finding like wh where who I would divulge to a little bit more versus the other and I don't know if it's maybe to be honest if maybe I just don't care as much that I'm telling these things to a man <laughs> versus a woman if that is, makes any sense this is me just trying to like work through it but I also like there's obviously some stigma or some sort of um you know inner inner not issue I don't know inner like thought process that makes it easier for me in certain situations versus others but that is something to address and like think through and it is interesting and and we do have all preferences they ask you for preferences usually when you're you know looking for therapists as well and that you know especially like I do find it very valid especially to like work with you know an LGBTQ plus friendly you know therapist at times and things like that too so there it's definitely valid to have your preferences and what works best for you and who you feel comfortable talking to you know because it is for you yeah so there is something to that there's a reason why you know those questions are asked and mm -hmm. I recently started with BetterHelp um, which is a great resource for anyone who is looking to get into therapy um, it's just an easy way to set up telehealth it can be a little pricey so you know access wise that's something to consider but they asked me a slew of questions that helped narrow down like who they would match me with and i think that and, and so my first that first match um that first therapist that i started with ended up being great and i'm like so happy with the match and it's been really good and I'm still like thinking about changing, changing things up because 
BetterHelp is a little more expensive than it would be if I were to find a therapist through my insurance, which is a little mm-hmm. bit more difficult and less accessible. So yeah. I'm sort of in, in that in-between space of do I spend a little more money and stay with the person that I'm starting to build this relationship and that I feel comfortable with? Or do, you know, is my financial situation more important to, to kind of work on right now? And so do I go through, jump through the hoops per se, of trying to find someone who is within my network. Um, and that's that's really hard. Those things are hard to navigate, and I don't want to um, minimize that. Mm-hmm. No, that's so true. And that, I mean, that leads us into kind of our next conversation topic, which, uh, like, Adam, you even, I think it was the last time we talked, probably a little bit ago, you were giving me some good advice on finding accessible therapy, because as I said before, like the cost is what stops me a lot because, you know, I just, I don't make that much. It's like pretty much all of my disposable income to see a therapist once a week, especially, and especially I had issues with finding health insurance. Um, when I was turning 26, you know, I had that whole thing and there's just a lot of hoops to jump through. Like you were saying, Tara, I did try better help for a minute, but it was still kind of pricey for what I was getting. Um, and I did do a stop and start again. And when we were talking about breaking up with your therapist, I'm really good at ghosting mine. Um, <laughs> it's my specialty. <laughs> so probably something I need to work on too. Um, but yeah, because uh, ther- therapy isn't as accessible as it should be. It's not as affordable. But Adam, you were talking me through some really affordable options and kind of like how you found your therapy and everything, but I don't know if you can give some insight then maybe to getting help paying for therapy or finding a therapist, a therapist that works for you that you mesh with, um, and some other, uh, some other maybe advice that you would have there. Cause I know you gave me some good ones before. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can talk a little bit about that. It's, you know, I think it, uh, it is uh yeah a, a significant problem of the accessibility of healthcare, uh especially in the united states uh that therapy for the most part is pretty expensive uh and you know and so beyond the the stigma and the difficulties around just accepting uh your own interest and need to go to therapy um yeah, I, I absolutely uh, agree. And as I said earlier, you know, the first time that I saw a therapist, it was, you know, a fully licensed therapist working in the community. Um, and my parents helped me pay for it. Uh, well, my parents paid for it, uh, to, to, to say it more exactly. Uh, and since I have uh, moved, you know, moved out and become an adult, I've looked to uh, find solutions that I can afford. And so I yeah, definitely have looked at, uh, at resources um, uh, like BetterHelp. Um, but uh, something that I, you know, something that I, I, I noticed when I was an undergraduate at, at Michigan, you know, that there are uh, uh, therapy uh, resources available on just about every uh, college campus. At least I would hope that there are. Um, and so, you know, certainly if you're a student, I would absolutely recommend, uh, starting there at at your school's psychological services. But as I, as I said, a little, a little, just kind of a little bit, I, since I've been a graduate student, I've only worked with, uh, folks who are training to be fully licensed therapists. 
And so this, this uh, is uh, how I've found really cost affordable options. Um, the, so the way that I went about it, uh, I started uh, at the University of Psychological Services and I told them that I was looking for something a little more long-term than what they had on offer. They had kind of, you know, something like a month uh, worth with one meeting a, a week uh, or kind of six weeks. And I really wanted something that was more long-term. And so they referred me to uh, the clinical psychology program at Rutgers. And so I got in touch with the, that program and the way that that program and others that I've looked into works is that largely they work with folks who are either associated with the university or in the broader community that the university serves. Um, so before it was in, uh, in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and, and now it's the greater Philadelphia area is serviced by a number of different universities. And uh, so there are things that come along with working with these students. My sessions are recorded and the students re-watch the sessions and talk with their supervisors about our sessions. So there is a condition of kind of the sense that I know what I'm saying in the room won't necessarily stay in the room just with my therapist. There are other provisions that the recording gets deleted after 30 days and that it's only ever used for the, the training purposes of the therapist. But it meant that first, you know, when I had insurance uh, as a student, um, it was covered completely. Uh, and so that was a boon of being in the program that I was in. But when my status in the program changed, it meant that the sessions once a week were $20 uh, a session when I was at Rutgers. Uh, and I found that really affordable. Um, and when I switched therapists here, the, I, I looked at some community options. I looked at some folks that were fully licensed uh, and I decided again to start working with students. And now I pay $5 a session because the program uh, at, at uh, I'm, I'm working uh, with the program at LaSalle University, it's mm -hmm. just cheaper there. Their services end up being cheaper. Uh, and so, um, there, there's some give and take, and I think it comes with uh, the, the question of more of, of finding a right fit or a right mesh with, uh, with your therapist. Um, but for me, those, those kinds of extra caveats about, you know, kind of what are the exact conditions that I'll be working in when I'm in therapy um, have been so, so dramatically offset by, you know, $5 a session, I couldn't believe it when I heard that that's how much it costs. Um, and so there are, uh, I think, really, uh, really uh, quite accessible options if you know where to look. And so that's, mm -hmm. that's one space that I've, I've found. Uh, basically, the way I approached it was, I didn't care that they were students, I figured they had to learn working with someone. So it might as well be me, uh, whatever my, my uh, problems day to day or my, you know, kind of the dynamics of who I am as a person, they're going to encounter somebody like me probably in their future work. So they might as well train with me is kind of how I, I looked at it. It didn't bother me that they were students. Um, so that's, that's definitely something that I would, I would recommend if, if you're, if you're feeling, uh, the financial pinch, you know, most folks are living around somewhere with the university and most universities have clinical psychology programs. So 
it's something that you could look into. And I think especially now with uh, telehealth options, um, I bet my guess is probably theoretically, I could probably work with somebody that, you know, worked it was at the University of Pittsburgh because I'm in the same state. It's probably possible. I don't know. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and I just wanted to plug that I, I had looked into like the Western Michigan's uh, psychological services because that's where I'm, I'm at now. I'm in Kalamazoo. And I did look there and I called them or sent them an email and whatnot. Um, and they put, I had to go on a wait list for a while because I think a lot of people are moving towards therapy now, which is great. But now that there's also an increased need for therapists. Um, and then they, they ended up calling me back later. And I think it was going to be about $60 a session, which, um, for like my price range and whatnot, or yeah. And I ended up not going, even though it was significantly cheaper than what I'm doing now, I ended up not going with it for a few different reasons. Um, one, cause I was working with somebody who was matching me with somebody specifically for my needs and, um, and then even though it would take me a lot of sessions to make up the cost difference, I just found, I just felt like it would be better for me. And then maybe there was somebody who was even more financially pinched than me that was going to need that actual spot since there was not enough, you know, spots available, it seemed for the community right now. Um, but it is, it is a viable option in like any kind of like area that you're in. So I'm just speaking to that. I did find after you gave me that advice, I did find an option that was viable in the space that I'm in too. So I'm sure you can find that kind of where you're at. And with telehealth, like you said, um, you maybe don't even need to be within that, the bounds of that community necessarily. Um, you can be a little bit farther away. Yeah. Another one, sorry, Gabrielle, did I just no, no, cut go. you off? Oh, no, another, another one that I would uh, say is that I used to um, go to therapy also with someone who was practicing and getting in their hours and all that stuff. Um, and I found that through my local Jewish federation, um, which serves the entire community, regardless of your religious, you know, preferences. So mm -hmm. just like looking to other organizations as well, they're out there and um, those sessions they had, um, they had a sliding scale for their, the cost of their, um, of their services. And they were able to really work with me on that. So there, there definitely is resources out there in the community, whether it's, um, on a college campus or through a nonprofit, um, or through some other community that you're involved in, um, to, uh, to find accessible and affordable therapy. Um, yeah. So, and just on that note, Adam, are there any, do you have any other recommendations for free resources or things people can do on their own in addition to therapy or if they can't afford therapy? Um, there's, there's one practice that's been really, really useful for me um, that I think, I guess I would probably kind of call it therapy adjacent. Um, and that's uh, meditation. Meditation uh, and and working on the practice of of mindfulness of kind of thinking about your thinking and you know that metacognition and uh, and being aware and 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 looking to be present in the moment uh, that has been really really closely tied uh, to my therapy journey um, but it's I think that those are are kinds of skills uh, related to kind of mental health that aren't necessarily uh, only possible in a in a in a kind of therapist uh, uh, 
setting, uh, therapy setting. Um, and so, yeah, I, I watch a lot of YouTube's, YouTube videos on how to meditate and, and different meditation sessions. Um, there are uh, there are different apps that I've used, uh, like Headspace, uh, that I that I like. But there's uh, often a, 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 a monthly fee for some of those apps. Um, so yeah, I like googling YouTube videos on meditation sessions. Uh, they can be really short. They can be only a couple of minutes, and they can range to 15, 20, 30 minutes of uh, meditation. So it's something that I kind of would really like to practice more and uh yeah uh different uh different exercises available on youtube is really useful uh resource to try that's a good one you know it's something i've been trying to do but i just end up doing it when i can't sleep (laughs) so it's not really a practice it's just a when i need it thing but um there are so many great ones on youtube i usually pull up a lot of there are there are hour long ones or hours long ones mm-hmm. even that help I think help with sleep which is what I usually need um, to calm my brain down. But it, uh, do you ever do yoga or anything? Because that's kind of a different type of meditation in a way. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What did you say, Tara? Sorry, I said definitely. Also, um, mm-hmm. I do. And then another thing that I would say. Um, that I do sometimes when I, that also would be sort of therapy adjacent is journaling, um, Mm. and just writing things down and sort of getting, getting whatever is in my head, whatever's jumbled out on paper and then never looking at it again, usually, but it it really does help. Um, it's another, it's another free thing that people can do. Yeah. That's journaling is great. Something I've been working on with my the therapist right now is, is setting a routine and like journaling is part of that routine. Um, journaling and uh, meditation, I think is supposed to be part of that too, but <laughs> more journaling has just made its way in it right now. <laughs> um, but something I was thinking about, and I wanted to kind of bring up in this conversation, I didn't actually put in the questions beforehand. So sorry about that, but um, is not necessarily another resource, but I've been thinking about using it as, I mean, I've been using it as a tool myself, but something that I kind of want to move into using it as a tool within my therapy experience is actually like um, TikTok as a way of starting these difficult conversations and like understanding different kind of um, different, I mean, different ways that my mind is working or things that I'm going through. Um, I've, I'm on like the mental health psychology side of TikTok as part of the TikToks that I get on my feed all the time. And so, um, I, I just, I've kind of started doing this thing where I'll find a TikTok about something that maybe I'm going through or, um, something that ex- that's explaining a feeling that I've had or something that I've been struggling with and I'll save it and I'll save the link and I'll be like, this is something that I need to bring up in therapy or like something that I need to show my therapist, um, And like, so then I can like talk about it and I digest it because it's putting words to something that maybe I didn't have words for before. And this is where I I really love TikTok. And I think it can be a beautiful tool for like sharing information on an accessible level. Um, And I mean, there's so many therapists and experts and social workers there using the platform to inform and to help others. And it can be so rewarding in that it, it, I mean, it, it can be used as a starting point to 
to get more information and to know what to search for, like keywords and things and to know what to talk about and to start these hard conversations that maybe you just don't have the tools or the words to begin those conversations with. Um, and so I, I want to emphasize it maybe more as a starting point, like definitely not used as like a diagnostic tool or anything like that, but using it as a starting point for research and fact checking and starting those, those hard conversations. And, and it, there shouldn't be a shame around it. You know, it, it is a, a like a, an information sharing tool, you know? So that's just something that I had, had been kind of working through. And I know like Adam, I send you so many TikToks <laughs> on the daily and some of them are related to that. And most of them are just, I sometimes do this thing where I like to send Adam ones that I know will make him uncomfortable <laughs> in, a, <laughs> in a funny way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do. I do think TikTok is a great resource and a place to be able to find information, especially for younger folks out there. Well, I'm, I love TikTok. So, but Gen Z <laughs> really, really rules TikTok. And I think that it's great that there is those resources on there. And people do see TikTok as a space where you can learn and get information. And um, there are professionals that are on there working to share that information. And so um, I love that you brought attention to that, Gabrielle. I think that I, I also find it to be a really great resource as well. Yeah. Adam, do you have any additional thoughts? Yeah, on TikTok? I, <laughs> I, 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 I also enjoy using TikTok quite a lot. And I think, you know, for me, it, I think it's an excellent example of what I think I, I want conversations like this to, to kind of create is, is this space that is inclusive and accessible for people. and those those kind of ideas of inclusivity and accessibility can take so many different forms. And I hadn't, you know, even though I, you know, as you were talking, I was like, oh yeah, I have seen TikToks where where folks are talking about and digesting uh, uh, psychological questions um, and and mental health questions. And it kind of made me think, like, oh yeah, like actually, I've I've, I've encountered that too. Um, and so it it I think is is. It's just important to to continue breaking down those those barriers that uh, are there around uh, therapy. So yeah, I, I really like that uh, that you included it in our conversation today. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I know um, we have just like a cut. Well, I think we're kind of rounding out the conversation a little bit here. We had a couple more questions for you, but do you have any? What advice do you would you give others looking to try therapy? or maybe that have tried and are a little bit um, put off by the process? I think for me, if you're looking, if you're thinking about therapy, if you're considering it, you know, you can, you can go through kind of all of these different steps and searching out these different platforms that we've talked about today, these different media, these different resources for you. Um, but I think, if you've tried and, and have had difficulty getting into it, or you're a little nervous about getting into it, it, something that's been really important for me is thinking about kind of why you want to go to therapy or why you're considering it. What, what do you think you might get out of it? What are you looking for it? Uh, and it's okay if you don't know the answer to some of those questions, but thinking about kind of that, uh, a little, a little deeper motivation, uh, or, or a little kind of more meta motivation 
Um, and it doesn't have to be particularly insightful or important. One of the things, you know, I was thinking about this when Tara was talking about journaling. It, one of the things that I really like about therapy is that it lets me just organize all of the crap that goes on in my day-to-day life. And that it gives me, you know, an hour every week where I can just kind of pull back from everything else that's going on and organize my thoughts about what's going on in my life. And that's not profound. That's not, you know, some huge problem that I'm, you know, feel like needs to be dealt with. But that is one of the deeper problems, one of the more meta problems or one of the more meta questions or issues that I'm looking to get out of therapy. And so for everybody, that's going to look a little different. Um, but I think that it's really important to keep in mind what, you know, what that big goal for you is, because it's all about you. It's all about your self-improvement, your self-growth and your self-care uh, and having concretely in mind, what is this going to do for me might help you get past having a tough or kind of awkward first or second session with a therapist. It might help you pluck up the courage to call or email that clinic that you've had their tab open on uh, your computer for a week uh, or two or three in some of my personal personal situation. Um, that you know, having that kind of big reason why and, and remembering and tapping into that can be really, could be really helpful and has been really helpful for me in embracing going to therapy. Yeah, that's a great one. Cause I know even when I just started therapy now, we started, we started out by outlining goals that I had for therapy. And it was something that I hadn't really done before with a therapist. And it was kind of revolution. It felt revolutionary for me. And I was like, you know, that, that makes sense. Like you want, you want to set your goals and think about like, why am I here? And what do I want from this and this conversation and this relationship? But it, and, you know, writing is such a good way of getting that out and journaling is, is in not, not censoring your journaling too. And just kind of like letting that stream of consciousness flow and like, yeah, organizing your thoughts, getting all that, you said crap in your life. And I'm thinking this crap in my brain <laughs> just needs to, needs to come out some way. <laughs> get on that paper (laughs) yeah or even like I use the notes app on my phone sometimes if I really just need to like write something down or like get it out I do that and then I just then it just sits there I could probably look at my phone and see all kinds of things and I'll be like what what was I thinking about what was going on in my head but (laughs) I I know that that was helpful in that moment um Mm -hmm. and I usually refer back to those things in therapy and say this was bothering me it's not bothering me now but this was bothering me and like let's talk about it and and why it bothered me and how I can you know work to avoid that the next time or you know circumvent that the next time I get to that space so I do I think we've really covered a lot here and are at a really good um good stopping place what do you guys think is there anything else that we want to add? I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. I probably could just keep talking forever if no <laughs> one stopped me. So, <laughs> Adam, do you have any any like final thoughts or points or anything you want to touch on that we didn't talk about? Yeah, I, I guess I just I, I kind of I want to reiterate and sum up that it you you should go to therapy to help yourself. 
Uh, and that if, you know, you don't like how things are going with your therapist or you don't like, you know, the costs or you don't like some, some other thing or something's not right, you can talk to your therapist, you can move to something else, you can work through uh, any issues that come up and keep in mind that uh, you're doing this for yourself and, it, and, and that it's pretty hard work. Uh, and so, you know, be proud of yourself every step along the way from deciding, you know, first thinking about it, first entertaining the idea to deciding to go, to going, mm-hmm. uh, and then to making progress uh, as little or as much as you might in a single week or a month or six months because yeah. it's hard and really impressive to to do that work. Yeah. No, thank you so much for saying that. That's so that's so true. It's Ugh. Oh my god, sorry my brain just fried a little bit. That usually happens at the end. <laughs> um it also like was breaking up at the very beginning of you talking and so I'm hoping that's not going to be on the recording, but I think you were just saying like remember you're doing this for you and like it's for you you and your process and everything but yeah you should be proud of the work you're doing in therapy and it is hard it is hard work it's hard work to to heal and to you know look at yourself and like try to change the way you think or you know not even to peel back those layers and even just explore what's going on it can be really difficult yeah, exploring. Exploring is a great word for it because that is, you know, you're externalizing and then somebody's helping you work through that externalization instead of you just talking to yourself in the mirror, you know, like we all do, right? <laughs> but <laughs> Tara's, Tara's face said no. But um, yeah, no, I think that was a beautiful way to end this conversation and like, or maybe not end, but tie up this part of the conversation. Maybe we'll have you back sometime to talk more either about therapy or something else. Cause I mean, this has been lovely and I can't thank you enough for being here and saying all of the insights, giving all the insights that you have. Cause um, they're very helpful and, you know, plucked out a lot of aha moments for myself and hopefully our listeners as well. And yeah, I know before Tara, did you have something to say before I Okay, I didn't know. Go if ahead. All right. <laughs> well, I, well, can I say I just want to say yeah. thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation and and really appreciate the opportunity to talk about something that I, I care about a lot. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, and I, Adam, do you remember how we wrap up our conversations or what we tell our listeners at the end? Uh, I'm drinking Lacroix right now, so and I have been throughout the session through through our our conversation. So. Uh, I absolutely cool. I I didn't know, but I knew. <laughs> I didn't know, but I knew. Yes. What flavor Lacroix is that? Wait. It is lime. <laughs> lime is not my favorite flavor, but it is pretty good. What's your favorite? The key, the key lime is really mm. good. Key lime is very good. I am particularly partial to the limoncello and the yes. guava. Mm. Uh, I would highly recommend both of those. All right, Adam, take it away. <laughs> Remember, stay hydrated. Perfect. He winked just so for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs>